Welcome to LaGrave Avenue CRC's Sermon Podcast. You are listening to A Christmas Alleluia, Meditations by Rev. Peter Yonker. Luke 2, 1-20 In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria and everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem to the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger, because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly, a great company of of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told to them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds had said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. As we consider the linkages between Christmas and Easter, the first place where we see a connection is in the cloth. Christmas and Easter are connected by cloth. We just read that when Mary had her baby, she wrapped him in bands of cloth and laid him in a manger. And we know what she was doing when she did that. She was swaddling her baby, which is something that mothers still do today. When babies are active, you swaddle them, you pin their arms to their bodies, and that keeps them from flailing around and sometimes even scratching themselves. It makes for a remarkable picture. The cosmic Lord of the universe having his arms pinned to him by a teenage girl. The Lord whose hands lifted the mountains and spun the planets, having his hands pinned by this Galilean peasant girl. The Lord whose words created worlds, right? Let there be light. At creation, his words brought things into being, and now he's reduced to this state 
where he has to babble and he cries like an infant. This is what our Lord was willing to endure for us. It points forward to another time than Jesus was swaddled. 33 years later, he was pinned again, only this time not with bands of cloth, this time with nails. And he was nailed to a cross. And this time he cried out again, but not as a baby crying. This time he cried as a grown man in mortal pain. And when he died, they took him down from the cross and they swaddled him. They wrapped him in a linen cloth and they laid him in the tomb. At Christmas, he wore our weakness. At Easter, he wore our death for us. When the women went to the tomb on Easter morning and they looked in, Jesus wasn't there. He was gone. And all they saw were those, those cloths that had swaddled him, his, his death, his burial cloth, lying there in a heap because he was not there. He had risen. He had been swaddled in our weakness, in our death, but weakness and death could not hold him. He tossed them aside like an old shirt. And he showed all of us who know what it feels like to be pinned by life's worries, concerns, and weaknesses, and sometimes death. He showed all of us who know what that feels like, that in this child, in the manger, there is a way through. Christmas and Easter are also linked by low expectations, particularly low human expectations. The angel Gabriel comes to Mary and tells her that she will give birth to the Savior of the world, that she'll give birth to Jesus. And Mary quite sensibly says, how can this be? I am still a virgin. She has very low expectations that such a thing is possible. But the angel mysteriously replies, the power of the Most High will overshadow you. The power of the Most High. Both at Christmas and Easter, we see that the hope for our life and the strength for our life does not depend on human strength or expectation. It depends upon the power of the Most High. What expectation and what hope was there at Christmas, that Christ the Lord would come to earth. Zero. Yes, Jews were expecting the Messiah, but when they expected the Messiah, what they were looking for was a human person who would come and liberate God's people. They did not expect God in the flesh laid in a manger. The power of the Most High accomplished this. And how many people expected that Christ would rise at Easter? Nobody. The disciples were all going back to their fishing. They were going back to other things. There was no one hanging outside the tomb waiting for Jesus to walk out. The power of the Most High accomplished this. Christmas and Easter proclaim to us the deep truth of our lives, that the power of our lives and the power of our hope is not in our hands, which is a really good thing because our hands are weak and they are corruptible. Our hope depends on the power of the Most High. There's a strong power in this world, and this power knows your name, 
This power loves you, and this power wants to fill you up from top to bottom. You may be squeezed out of hope. This year may have knocked you sideways, and you may have a hard time believing that there's anything good coming down the road in 2020. You may feel like death is just an end. But Christmas says you're wrong, and Easter confirms it. The power of the Most High will raise you up. Christmas and Easter are also linked by angels. Angels are very active both at Christmas time and at Easter time too. Angels, of course, um, perform a variety of roles in Scripture. Uh, sometimes they protect God's people. Sometimes they comfort God's people. Sometimes the angels are agents of judgment. But most of the time, angels are messengers. That's actually what the word means. Angelos in the Greek means messenger. So when an angel shows up, God is announcing something, and it means that something pretty amazing is going to happen. At Christmas, the angels are really busy. They show up in the temple for Zechariah and tell Zechariah that he's going to be the father of John the Baptist. They show up for Mary, tell Mary that she's going to be the mother of Jesus. And of course, most famously, the heavenly host, all the angels, this great company of angels shows up in the shepherd's fields and tells them to go to Bethlehem to see the birth of Jesus. At Easter, the angels are busy again, rolling away stones, chasing away guards, and waiting for the people to come upon, at which point they say, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here, he is risen. Angels at Christmas and angels at Easter. John Chrysostom, a great third century preacher, has an interesting observation about angels. He talks about the natural habitat of angels, the place where they usually live. And in scripture, and you see this in Revelation, uh, the place where angels are pictured, of course, is in the heavenly courtroom. So the heavenly courtroom is this, this amazing, glorious place, colorful. And the angel hosts are there surrounding the throne of the Lord and the cherubim, these wondrous creatures are around that throne. And all day long, the angels and the cherubim sing, holy, holy, holy to God. That is, that's the natural place. When it says that the angels went back up into heaven, that's where we imagine they went. Chrysostom noted that in Luke 2, when the heavenly hosts appear in the fields, it's like that heavenly courtroom scene has come down to earth into the fields of Bethlehem. Instead of the heavenly courtroom, you have these fields. Instead of the cherubim, you have the shepherds. And instead of the holy throne of God, you have a manger with a swaddled baby lying in it. The song of the angels is the same. Glory to God in the highest. What does this mean? It means that holiness has invaded earth, and from now on, all of earth's places, all of your places, are holy places. Now holy is the shepherd's field, and holy is the stable. Holy is the worker's bench and the kitchen table. Holy is the classroom, holy is the lab, holy is the alleyway and the underpass. 
Holy is the infant's cradle and the hospice bed. Christ is born, death is beaten, and everything has changed. Christmas and Easter are also linked by opposition. Both at Christmas and at Easter, God moves towards his people and moves towards his people in a way to do something gracious, to do something for our benefit. And in both cases, he meets opposition from the principalities and the powers of this world. So at Christmas, the Magi go to Herod, and they tell him that this baby is going to be born, and it's good news, and Herod goes dark. He keeps smiling on the outside, but on the inside, he's plotting to remove this king, and his plot as you know, eventually ends up in the massacre of the innocents at Bethlehem. And at Easter, of course, just about all the earth's powers come against Jesus. The Sanhedrin and the Jewish powers, Herod and Pilate and the Roman powers, they all come against the Lord and his anointed. Why do they do that? They do that because Jesus is a king. In fact, he is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. He is their master. Every knee before him will bow. And when you are a power, when you're a principality, when you're a ruler, you don't necessarily like to bow the knees before other people. You're used to people bowing the knee before you. And so they resist, even though our Lord has come in love. Political systems and human systems of power are tricky things. God has instituted them. We need them. But when they go bad, they cause enormous destruction. And when they fall apart, they leave us in a terrible place. We live in a time where we have less and less confidence in our institutions of human power that we're used to depending on. Where do you go when you've lost trust in the institutions and the powers that you look to for help. You go to Bethlehem and you get on your knees before the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords lying in that manger because he has a kingdom that cannot be shaken. The child in the manger is the world's center point. His birth is the axis of history. His words are the foundation of all human truth. And his resurrection is our only hope in this world. The nations rage and the people plot in vain. The word of the Lord stands forever. So hear the good news. Your king has come. Christ is born. Christ is risen. So let us bring our alleluias. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Grave Avenue CRC's Sermon Podcast.